Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welsh, being joined by Brian Murphy and Taylor Raglan. Gentlemen, week two of high school football season is in the books, and let's react. You know, with week one, we always caution after week one, you know, just to, you can only buy so much into what you see in week one because it's it's our first sight of what we see of these teams, and we don't know what uh, which which trends, what showings are, you know, the sign of things to come, what just might be, you know, an isolated incident or whatnot. It's such a small sample size. We really don't know what to make of week one. So, uh, and granted, it's not like week two gives you that much more, yeah. but it's at least another look at kind of if there's any, uh, if any of these teams continued in a certain direction and whatnot. So, um, but let's try to kind of make heads and tails of where several of our schools are at. Um, you know, if you're playing in District 75A Division 2 right now, the tune-up games are done. District play starts this week because of the size of that district. Um, they were only afforded two weeks of non-district play. So we can talk about a few of the teams getting ready for their respective district openers out that way, including uh, Brian. A game that you were at last week that was a very, very high-profile matchup in, um, featuring the reigning district champion out of 7-5 AD2, Frisco Reedy, in a rematch against District 5-5A Division One district champ, the Colony. Mm-hmm. A game that took on a very different overtone than uh, than last year's meeting. And now, uh, as Reedy begins to prepare for its, uh, its district title defense, they're doing so coming off of what had to be a very, very debilitating showing against, uh, against the Cougars. Now, is this a reaction or is this a freakout? Because I think it's a freak out. I think you're panicking. Are you sounding it's, the panic alarm? I think you're panicking. I mean, you're hitting the panic button because mm-hmm. this is looking like not quite as bad, but almost the Reedy team of two years ago, mm-hmm. the team that only won three games. Um, you know, they're they're definitely not the 2018 Reedy Lions anymore. Um, they only have one you know offensive player that's that really starts and plays from mm-hmm. last year's team, and it's Nate Anderson. But, you know, as good as he is, he can only do so much. You know, when the rest of the offensive line is yeah. inexperienced, your quarterbacks are inexperienced. You know, I'm kind of dis- a little disappointed in, in, in what Jalen Kitna has or hasn't done, you know, so mm-hmm. far to start the year. You know, the offense just, they, they look sloppy. They they're, At times they can't even line up right, and that's, you know, something Coach Cole was telling me, you know, after the game. He's like, we, we just need a guy that will lead and that can, you know, lead this offense into – you know more than just wins and losses, but just doing the right stuff. Mm-hmm. You know stuff that you know they took for granted, I guess, with with Fosky and how good he was, and and you know they had so many D one guys all across the board last year. It's not the same team. They can't run the football. Granted, it was against the Colony. The Colony's the got a lot of talent. Dang good. Yeah. That game had a lot to do with how good the Colony is. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a mix of both. I, I think Reedy's taken that much step, that much of a step back, and the Colony's just that good. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Miles Price, dude, is is just. <laughs> He had a quiet week one, but man, did he make oh up for gosh. it in week two? And see, that Goodness. was kind of that was worrisome for the colony because you know that uh, a twenty-four to two game for most teams would be like, yeah, that's what a win. But for the colony, it's like, why are you only scoring twenty-four <laughs> points? And then Rangel even kind of brought that up, you know, you know, bouncing back the way they did after week mm-hmm. one, and they just exploded. They could have easily put up eighty points against. Oh, the yeah. Yeah. oh they, yeah, they 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 called the dogs off in the second yeah. half or. Midway through the third quarter, they kind of called the dogs off. They had 42 points at the half. It was mm-hmm. 42 to six yeah. at halftime, and everyone's just kind of like, "What is going on?" 
because if you would have played last year's Reedy team against this year's the Colony team, oh my gosh, that would have been one of the games of the year. <laughs> and last year that was a good game. Yeah. Reedy won that game, thirty-three to twenty-four, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game was at the Star, but man, Reedy. At this rate, they're not going to win the district championship. With Reedy, they were the ultimate like when you talk about what to make of a week one performance and mm-hmm. what it means. I mean, we you know we mentioned it last week when we saw that Reedy was trailing Plano West at the half, seven to three, a Plano West team that had you know had, hasn't won a football game in two and a half years. And okay, well, what does this mean? Is this more about you know wait, wow, Plano West might have a little something here, breaking a new head coach and just kind of a new culture and in general, or is this just a sign that Reedy, you know, we we kind of I guess underestimate the importance of that senior class last year. Yeah and just how valuable those guys were. And this being the first true year that Reedy has lost a, uh, a lot to graduation and then having to, you know, kind of rebuild from that, which for a young program is still undetermined, whether, you know, just how sustainable what happened last year is. But, yeah, the, as far as the early returns go, I mean, listen, the Colony is probably the best team that they're going to see in the regular season. So at least there is that. Like, there's, I don't yeah. know if there's a team in the, in the district schedule that's going to pose as big of a threat as the Colony just because. Not even close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The talent level was so, just off the charts with the Colony. So, I think that's really the the main thing. So I don't know, like, I guess how much you want to buy into that relative to what it means for district play, just because, I mean, the Colony's probably going to do that same type of, uh, have that same kind of an output against every other team in 7-5 AD, too, to be fair. Yeah, the, yeah oh yeah, if, if you put Lake Dallas against the Colony or Lovejoy or mm-hmm. Frisco or Brazel, they're going to lose just as bad as mm-hmm. Reedy did. So it's it's kind of hard to gauge. I mean, you have, you have three Division One guys playing the same position. And then they, they throw them in the secondary and Christian Gonzalez and Miles Price oh, yeah. played, you know, almost three quarters at cornerback after you know, scoring I mean, the first that, two That's touchdowns. Christian Gonzalez's primary position. He's committed to Purdue as a cornerback. And, and he's he, a four-star talent at that position. He looks great on offense yeah, yeah. against Reed. He scored two You're touchdowns. so versatile, though. Oh, my gosh. Mikey Harrington. Yes. You know, you have a three-year starter at quarterback. People forget about him. He had six touchdowns. Yeah. You know, uh, it, against Reedy, you know, they're, they're just absolutely loaded. Keith Miller, just throw it up to him, he'll get it. And, you know, one of Harrington's touchdowns to, to Keith Miller in the first half, literally, you know, kind of over the shoulder, it was kind of, he just launched it up and Miller just kind of adjusted, caught it, mm-hmm. easy touchdown in, in between two Reedy players. They're, it's yeah. just hard to stop. It was a surprise, admittedly, considering the stature of these two programs heading into last week's game to see the entire picket line siding with the Colony, um, but it really does speak to kind of what we mentioned, just the, the experience that the Colony mm-hmm. had and being a bit more fortified in their identity than a Reedy team that's still trying to figure out what it is. Um, we all picked the Colony to win, but I thought it would, I figured everyone would think that it would be yeah. a lot closer. No one thought this was no, going to be a, no, just an absolute beatdown. Um, so Reedy's going to draw Lake Dallas in its, in its district opener. And a Lake Dallas team that's also kind of trying to kind of figure out what yeah. it is um, with its, uh, you know, they've been using two players, a quarterback and whatnot, Brandon Engel and Trevor Moon. And they, um, you know, a little bit, I mean, you saw the opener, Taylor, a little mm-hmm. bit up and down against Denton. Uh, but then they, uh, you know, coach, you know, head coach Michael Young had lauded the progress of his defense all throughout mm-hmm. the offseason, saying it had a chance to be one of the better units that he's coached in his time at Lake Dallas. And at the very least, you know, just to bounce back after giving up, what was it, 36 to Denton? Yeah. Then to shut out, you know, first go, first go Santana's team is a little bit down. Got to, you know, at least keep that in perspective. But still, to pitch a shutout yeah. has got to be at least encouraging well, for the progress of that unit. Yeah, and 60 yards yeah. for Centennial. I mean, that's that's good no matter who you're playing. I mean, 60 yeah. yards is, is 60 yards for, a, you know, a defense to give up alongside um, a shutout. I think the, the main thing, um, you know, they're going to draw Reedy. <laughs> it's going to be a, a barometer early for both teams, you know, coming out into this uh, week one of, of 7-5-A Division Two. because for Reedy, it's a chance to, you know, maybe catch your breath a little bit and, and play a team that's not the colony. Um, you know, but at the same time, Lake Dallas, you know, they they uh, they found kind of their stride a little bit with Trevor Moon. Uh, they can't keep Brandon Engel healthy, which oh, I think is really un- it's really unfortunate <laughs> for that team. he's such a good player. That, he's the best quarterback they have. He's the best receiver they have. He's the best athlete they have. Like, he, he's <laughs> just... one of those things where he throws it and then he runs. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> he, he is might be easily, able to do that. <laughs> it, you know, when I was watching them play Denton when he was uh, playing quarterback mm-hmm. in the first half, that offense was 100% more explosive than I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. just because he's in there um, you know so you know if they get him back you know that's a whole other dimension to this Lake Dallas reading game um, that you know Reedy's gonna have to prove that they can they can contain even someone like that mm-hmm. uh, but if they don't Trevor Moon was absolutely serviceable yeah. um, against Frisco Centennial there, there's nothing wrong with with his performance um, I think he had one touchdown one interception like 180 yards something like that um, he can run that offense just fine um, they have IK and Equi back in the in the backfield um, man that dude 
the thing that always strikes me about him every time I watch him play is that he runs hard. Okay. Like he, he's one of those guys that he's up to full speed by the line of scrimmage every single time you hand him the football. He is he's not fun to have to tackle over and over and over again, especially in a year like this year when they you know there's going to be games he probably gets 30 carries. I mean that's just kind of the nature mm-hmm. of of this team for Lake Dallas, but. Yeah, a good bounce back for Lake Dallas. I think that loss to Denton in week one had a lot to do with week one sloppiness, penalties. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was a game that Lake Dallas feels like it should have lost. I, you know, having been at that game, I don't think they should have lost that football game. Um, but they did. I mean, it, it's something we said that they did. But, you know, obviously they've got some of that stuff cleaned up. And like I said, it's an early test upcoming, we uh- think. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Frisco. You know, just a team that might be, uh, you know, we don't want to necessarily uh, give away anything, but we're going to be making our district predictions this week with the uh, with the start of 7-5A Division Two, And uh, Frisco, fresh off a, a very quality win over uh, over Melissa, one of the better programs, you know, locally at least at the uh, at the 4A level. And Frisco is 2-0 and under first-year head coach Jeff Harbert and um, could be poised. To, they're not going to be sneaking up on anybody this time around, but they're a team that I think, at least on your end, Brian, you've got some pretty high hopes for heading into district i think they are the lead horse the lead dog in that district no one in that district has proved themselves mm-hmm. they, if anything they've all hurt their case you know you just <laughs> talked about how lake dallas you know losing that game to denton mm-hmm. a team that just lost 75 to nothing to lone star team i'm sure we'll talk about here in a yeah, little yeah. bit you know and so you know frisco pounded woodrow wilson in, in week one you know that maybe not too much to write about there but you know last year you know before they made that awesome turnaround during district they had lost to wilson in week one they'd lost to melissa in week two they were zero and two last year you know this year they have so many horses in the stable mm-hmm. you know they they run obviously they run that wing t but they have the personnel to really really run it this year and throw the ball. Mm-hmm. They're airing the ball out a little bit more. And, you know, I think they threw it seven times against uh, Wilson. And, you know, you think, okay, they threw the ball seven times. That's not a lot. For Frisco, that's a lot. They threw two touchdown passes in that game. Corey Green, you know, he's a sophomore. He, he's he's a really good athlete. You know, he's he's played all over the place, you know, in his career. And now he's making this move to varsity quarterback, and he looks good. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look like a sophomore. And, you know, that you've, you have guys like Miles May, Bryson Clemens, Dante Reese, Chase Lowry. All four of those guys have scored rushing touchdowns this year. Mm-hmm. All the all you know all those guys can can be utilized in the passing game. They're used uh, in the secondary on defense. These are the same guys that made it to the state seven on seven tournament, you know, in May for the first time in school history. So this team is is loaded at least offensively in the skill positions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they still they have a brand new offensive line, but they seem to be rolling just fine. And that win against Melissa looks really good yeah. right now. It's so impressive just considering just two years ago this team was, you know, was 0-10 and mm-hmm. how quickly mm-hmm. they've mm-hmm. recovered from that and have just gone right back to being good old Frisco. And they were super close to starting 0-3 last year. Yeah. If, if y'all remember, obviously, the crazy weather that mm-hmm. was happening yeah, at the yeah. beginning of the year. In week three, their game got delayed against Braswell. And they were losing in that game, and then their game got pushed to Saturday. Mm-hmm. They had the weird, you know, we can't finish the game tonight, so we played Saturday, and they came back and won Saturday. So if that doesn't happen... They, they go 0-3, and they probably don't go on that run that they went on last year. That's what Coach Gibson told me you know, when I met with them at, at one point last year. So what a turnaround. And now here they are, potentially could go start the year 3-0. You know. We can uh, come back to Frisco ISD in just a moment. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, within Plano ISD. And I guess of the, uh, of the instances last week of those three games, uh, Plano ISD picked up its first win of the football season. They're 1-5 they're, uh, they're through, through, uh, through two weeks. Uh, PISD, it's been, a, it's been a bit of a tricky start to the year. Um, you know, but it was Plano Senior, though, who did find the win column in one of the, uh, the state's more high-profile games last, uh, last week with them squaring off against El Paso Eastwood. We've talked ad nauseum about the events leading up to that game. It was going to be just fascinating to see kind of what both teams did, not just for the game itself, because the game, you know, they were looking to build off a, their first meeting last year, which was one of the most bizarre football games I've ever seen. But obviously, what were they going to do beforehand as a way of, uh, of honoring the victims of the El Paso shooting, as well as, um, you know, Eastwood uh, football player Eddie Cruz, who... Uh, who passed away last week in a drowning incident. Yeah. Um, so yes, very, very heavy hearts um, in the Eastwood crowd. Uh, before the game, um, you know, if you haven't seen any, any of the stuff on social media, um, before the game you had students from both schools coming together at midfield to exchange gifts. And then once the football teams um, entered the mix, I've never seen this before, the entire team, both all of Plano's team and all of Eastwood, they all gathered at midfield for the coin toss. They didn't just send out the captains. Both teams were gathered in there in their entirety for the coin toss. And then afterwards you had players lining up next to each other um, along the effort, uh, basically spanning sideline to sideline for, uh, for a moment of silence, as well as the, uh, the national 
national anthem. And you had them, you know, both head coaches kind of in the front with their, you know, hands over their hearts and whatnot. And it was just a, it was a really cool visual, a really nice moment of unity between the two programs. And then I'm um, just talking with the coaches afterwards, Jada McCullough and, uh, and Julio Lopez. I mean, you could just sense kind of how much the uh, that whole display just kind of resonated with them and just how much it meant to both programs to be involved in something like that, you know, and hoping to, uh, you know, to honor those, the, uh, the, you know, the shooting victims the right way. And um, I mean, yeah, it was just really, it was a really, really cool display to see what they, uh, what they did there. I saw on Twitter before the game, <laughs> Leo Lopez gave an awesome pregame speech. I don't Dude, know if y'all saw that he, in the locker yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a really good interview and just such a, he's a very, very charismatic mm -hmm. coach. It's, uh, yeah, and he said afterwards, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a moment that he'll, you know, he and his program will remember for the rest of their lives. And, you know, in the wake of, I guess, you know, playing in Eastwood were, um, you know, were projected to, um, you know, to play a couple more times mm -hmm. in the years to come. And in the wake of the, uh, you know, the incident with Plano ISD, you know, temporarily canceling the game and whatnot and just that whole debacle. There mm -hmm. was some, uh, I guess, Eastwood might have been a little reluctant to maybe, keep, you know, keep this uh, this matchup going. But it sounds like that, at least based on just the uh, on the way that things went on Thursday night and just, I mean, the the support and the, uh, and the showing that Eastwood received from the entire Metroplex. Mm -hmm. It sounds like there was, it wasn't just limited to Plano. There were a bunch of programs, a bunch of area-wide businesses that really were, um, were welcoming and supportive to Eastwood in their, uh, in their trip to Dallas. Um, so it does sound like we might get some more Plano and Eastwood football in the, uh, in the years to come. The game itself was, um, you know, it actually had some, uh, yeah, there was some, some goofiness. You know, there was, a, there was a safety that I had never, never seen before at the high school level with a player catching the ball out of the end zone and then mm -hmm. walking back into the end zone and taking a knee, not knowing that that's actually a safety. Um, and then you had some strange, like, officiating you know, chaos and whatnot. But the game itself actually was a little bit more entertaining just in terms of just sheer competitiveness than last year's meeting was in the uh, in the second half. You know, um, Eastwood made a really spirited push to cut it to, uh, I guess, three, four points mm -hmm. uh, midway through the third quarter and just had all the momentum on their side. And then, um, then Plano was able to pull away with, um, I guess, 20 unanswered points, something to that tune with, uh, you know, uh, what was it, like three consecutive scoring drives, all coming on big plays. They had the deep ball working with Oliver Towns and, uh, and Jaden Chambers. Tylen Hines had a big touchdown run. It was a uh, it was a much needed um, you know showcase of uh, responding to adversity from a Plano team that uh, has been a little bit uh, rocky to begin the season, and they had their rocky moments as well. Certainly not all is uh, all is fixed with Plano just by getting one win. They had some some bad busts in the secondary, and just um, in general really seemed to struggle at the line of scrimmage on both sides. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they can do now heading into a game against Rowlett that has been at least in recent years kind of a barometer of where the season's headed for Plano um but yeah, that is at least a look at um, kind of what Plano uh, Plano Senior had to offer in its in its first uh, Plano ISD's first win of the football season. Is uh, Plano East and Plano West are still trying to trying to find the win column? Yeah, yeah, trying to find the win column is right for for especially East. Um, you know, West they run that losing streak to twenty eight games. The Blake Short Pierce Hudgens show at Flower Mound rolls on. I mean, nobody expected them to go out and win that game. Um, I mean, hell, even thirty-eight to ten, you could argue is is a better result than 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 somebody might have expected. I mean, I mean it's not; it's a blowout. But you know, does last West team even? You know, are they even that close? Did they even score ten points? I don't know. But you know, that's that's all there really is to say about Plano West. I mean, it was an expected result against a really good Flower Mound team. Maybe a better barometer against Mesquite this week. I mm -hmm. think we should find out more about West. I don't expect them to to go out and win that game either. I mean, it's kind of hard to expect them to until they prove that they can do it. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think it should be more competitive. And then on the East side, man, it's it's a little bit of chaos right now for the Panthers. Um, you know, ten yards of offense in the first half against Lake Highlands mm -hmm. last week. Uh, you know, doesn't exactly inspire confidence. Dylan Hayden, the the junior transfer from Wyoming, comes in in the second half and and leads. Um, I think they had like 155 yards or something, <laughs> which, you know, not an especially uh, overwhelming half, but, you know, they, they had some fight and they showed, um, you know, some competitiveness and, and some desire to, to compete a little bit better than they did in the first half. Trey Jones-Scott came back in the second half also. That had something to do with it, but quarterback jobs up in the air, Plano East, I mean, it's it remains to be seen if that offense is going to be able to do anything against, you know, relevant 9-6-A programs. Mm -hmm. um, they get a sexy team this week that I think will probably handle them, uh, you know, pretty easily as far as, you know, what I saw against U.S. Trinity last week. So, PISD, man, it's... Uh, 
No playoffs? Maybe? I don't know. That's been the uh, that's been the rumbling. That's been the uh, the talk on social media. If this is indeed going to be the very yeah. first year ever that all three Plano teams miss the playoffs, it would not it would not shock me. It would not shock me to see one jump up and make the postseason, just because, like you said, it it seems to almost always happen. But you know, if we're sitting here come November or whatever, and and there's not a, a PISD team in sight in in the tournament, that that also wouldn't shock me at this point. I mean, we, we're going to make our uh, our 9-6-A predictions next week on how we think the teams are going to fin- uh, finish in the uh, in the standings and whatnot. And I want to see what week three brings because, you know, yeah. I want to, again, it's only two weeks and you can only read into so much. But it's such a bummer that we have to do 7-5-A-D-2 now because I want to see one more week of, of those teams too. Because <laughs> it's so hard with a program like Reedy, mm-hmm. like, to really believe that they're this down. But... I you think know. we got a good barometer of them. We, we've seen them play a bad team, and they struggle to beat them, and we've seen them play yeah. an elite team, and they got blown out. Yeah. What else do we need to see? Yeah. We just don't played. Know what, now we just need to see them play a Yeah, we just don't know what it means against that district. Yeah. That's the thing. Cause I, I don't know. know where that district is at overall. I think Frisco is really good. I mean, that's a that's a really good win over Melissa. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. One area where there's, uh, there's not chaos right now is Prosper. They look awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Prosper, for all the questions about just the wealth of skill position players that they graduated, they have answered those in, uh, in fairly decisive fashion as they have just beaten the brakes <laughs> off of uh, off of Rowlett and Keller Timber Creek to begin the season. Um, I mean, listen, we're going we're gonna to get a, a much more uh, accurate depiction of what Prosper is this week when they, uh, when they travel to Flower Mound. Yeah. But um, at least through two games, what has been your read on what the Prosper Eagles have cooking? So over the summer, they had two quarterbacks mm-hmm. kind of – fighting for that spot to replace Keegan Shoemaker. Well, Jackson Berry, who played kind of in that belldozer role yeah, last year, he he's, he's taken over as the quarterback. He's been doing a great job. Uh, and that other guy, sophomore Tyler Bailey, they've been able to use him in other ways. Really? You know, it just you know, I haven't seen them live, haven't, you know, but you know, just based off box scores and how they utilized him and, and what I've seen on Twitter, you know, he scored, you know, he he's, uh, he had 133 rushing yards last week. He had uh, four catches for 54 yards and two receiving touchdowns as well. So it looks like they're they're throwing him in in different okay. spots. He's just an athlete. They got to put him in somewhere. But you know the offense is rolling. You know there hasn't been a, a lead guy like Wayne Anderson or Caleb Adams like we've seen in the past. But it's also been blowouts. So mm-hmm. they kind of distributed the wealth uh, a little bit. So this will be this will be the real test for them. You know facing uh, you know a formidable foe in Flower Mound and you know because Rollett. Not they're not wrong. Probably looks past. to be a little, a little yeah. down at least based on early results. Yeah, but so they'll they'll get a they'll get a big time test, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what what Prosper's really about this week. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, we can close out the first half of this podcast with a look at Frisco ISD at the very least at the uh, at the five A Division one level because uh, you got a big one coming up this week between uh, Lone Star and Highland Park. Um, whether it's a read on kind of how, uh, how I don't know. I mean I don't know what we make of Lone Star and their start right now. Again, it's they're doing what I think is expected at this point. But whether it's Lone Star Independence wherever you kind of want to go, just talk a bit about Frisco ISD. Do y'all remember last year when Lone Star was struggling offensively? Well, f- struggles in their terms. For them, you know, with, with well, Julian Larry. I'd be curious what it was, though, those first two weeks against Richland and Denton. They blew out Richland, I think it was like 42-2, to two, mm-hmm. and they blew out Denton. Um, but they had some struggles on offense. As the know, year D- went along, they D- did. Darren's Once the schedule thickened up a bit. Yeah, Darren Smith was in and out of the lineup. Um, Marvin Mims, I, m- I remember, missed a game or two. Julian Larry was still trying to make the transition from cornerback to quarterback, and he's he's a great player. Um, but he wasn't that pure quarterback, and you know, and then with the news of Chandler Galban, you know, getting injured for God knows who, how long, yeah. um, with his groin, and then Garrett Rangel, sophomore coming in, he's he's been lights out. You know, he's thrown for over 800 yards in two games, uh, nine touchdowns. Marvin Mims uh, it has gone gone for over 200 receiving yards in both games. He has five touchdowns on the year. Marvin Mims may not. Well, okay, no, he's the best receiver in this. Well. Him and Miles Price, but there's another receiver over at Independence mm-hmm. to keep an eye on. Uh, his name's Keon Wafer. Ah, um, Hebron. Yeah, he was a Hebron transfer. He, yeah, and so now he's at Independence, mm-hmm. and um, he, according to his Twitter, he's a three-time AAU national champion in the 400 meters. Um, so he's fast. Look, he's a, he's a fast guy. He can <laughs> run, and he can catch the football too. Uh, last week against Memorial, he had nine catches for 168 yards and three touchdowns. Wow. He had uh, over 200 yards uh, in in week one. Uh, against J.J. Pierce. So I'm looking at this guy. That could be the biggest, you know, Taylor knows I've been the biggest Braylon Braxton fan yeah. heading in, you know, all season, uh, heading into uh, week one. 
Braxton, man, he's thrown for 750 yards and, and nine touchdowns. A big chunk of those have been to Wafer. Wafer's got 14 of those catches for 403 yards and six touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So that connection right there has been just as deadly as Rangel to uh, Marvin Mims. So right now, Lone Star is the, the best team in Frisco ISD. Not, not even a question. Independence looks like the second best team above Reedy, above Wakelands, mm -hmm. and, and, and all those teams in FISD. Independence looks really good with two blowout wins over Pierce, and then a blowout win over uh, against a Memorial team that looked really good in week one mm -hmm. when they beat Salina. But Independence, that offense is really chugging along right now. Awesome. We've still got uh, plenty more on the dock to talk about, including some happenings out in Mesquite and Rowlett. We'll bring on Devin Hassan and Taylor, uh, Taylor Ragland. You're already here. Right here. Kendrick hey. Johnson, those two to talk about their respective, uh, those res their respective beats. In just a moment, but first, got to uh, shine that student athlete spotlight. And we had uh, Brian, you saw the call, and he just laying waste to Frisco Reedy. A lot of that had to do with the uh, the playmaking of, of quarterback Mikey Harrington, who accounted for just a whole mess of touchdowns <laughs> in the uh, in that big statement victory by the Cougars. Uh, Kendrick Johnson swung by the colony to talk with Mikey Harrington on the uh, on co the colony's big win and his uh, his big season to date. And we'll see what he had to say after a word from this sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Ken Johnson, the Colony Star senior quarterback, Mikey Harrington II. Give some insight to that big win, busting up Reedy on Friday. Uh, all week we were preparing, working hard, coming in practice day in and day out, getting better. You know, our, our whole team. I feel like we uh, all push each other to to be great, and that's what leads out onto the field. How big a deal was it to, to get the win, but to be able to take full advantage of that home crowd you have? Cause I won the best home crowds in the area. Oh, yeah. we we're real big on that this year. All of the senior uh, football players are trying to push the whole student section to uh, come out to all the games. So that's real big for us this year. So uh, it's kind of cool to come out the shoe was such a big game and see them respond before you kind of get a preview of what's going to lie ahead for district. Yes, sir. What is y'all mentality at? Because that's your biggest game since being in the playoffs last year. Is that is, do y'all even talk about last year? It's kind of last year's last year. Was that motivation for this year? Nah, well, you know, losing in the first round, especially our sophomore and junior year, uh, it's in the back of our head, and we don't. I mean, of course, we want to go further than that, but like you said, that's last year. We're on to this year. Give some insight to play with a special player like Miles Price and all the dynamic stuff that he did. Does he amaze you when he pulls all the stuff he pulls out on Friday nights? Oh yeah. I'm, uh, like I always say, I trust Miles 100%. If I'm throwing the ball to him, every time I think he's coming down with it. How much uh, does he open up your offense when people try to take him out the game and they don't realize that y'all more than a one-man team? Oh, yeah. Once we, once we, uh, once teams start focusing too much on him, we got five other receivers that we can go to. And I trust all of them just as much as I do with him. And how do you think you progressed from uh, when you first got the job as a sophomore to the day that's going to come in handy when I get into those tough district games and hopefully if I see a Lone Star or somebody in the playoffs? Yeah, I feel like it's uh, my the experience has taught me a lot. I've learned a lot uh, throughout these last three, three years that's helped me on the field. And it's just I've matured over the last three years on the field. And I feel like that's just helping me uh, lead the team better. Uh, before you got here, as you probably know, that the college wasn't a perennial playoff team like they are now. How does it feel like from when you first came in the colony and to now leaving it at the standard? Like now, the standard is to get to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. How big a deal is that to have changed, been part of that big change of mentality with the results that y'all keep getting year in, year out? Yeah, I mean, of course the goal is to make it to the playoffs, but this team and the, uh, a couple years ago, or the past few teams that I've uh, been on, we we know that our goal is to get past that first round and to go deeper into the playoffs. It's never been just about making the playoffs. So how big a deal is it to make a run, and how special would it be to make a run in your final go at this? No, that's, that's, the, that's the main goal. I'm trying to make a deep playoff run. The whole team is everybody's pushing each other just as much as uh, they push themselves, and I think that, that uh, makes our team a lot better and ready for that playoff run. Do, do, do y'all feel pressure or do y'all feel excitement the fact that People expect y'all to put a show on on offense every Friday night because your offense is so explosive. We feel I, – I don't feel pressure about it, and I don't think anybody on our offense does. Coach Ringel always tells us to be the storm and to bring bring the game to other teams, so that's where we go in. 
With that mindset. How much of a positive influence has Coach Rangel put on this program? Because like I said, I went from, man, the colony, they might get in, to like now it's like, you don't want to see the colony, you know you got to score 40 points to beat those guys. Coach Rangel, he, uh, that's my man. You know, he, he gets us hyped up before every game. He, he, he has us hyped up at practice, and he it all starts with him. Was it a big deal? Do you think last week was a message game, or was it just another game on the schedule with with them coming off the hype off last year, making a deep run, being one of the best Frisco teams in the area, or was it just another game for y'all? People might look at it as a statement game, but to us, we we came into it as just another game, you know, just another opportunity to show what type of team we have this year. How big a deal is it to run the table during the regular season and hitting the playoffs undefeated? That's the main goal, you know, a state championship. But we're not even thinking that far ahead. We're thinking about Byron Nelson next week or this Friday afternoon. And we, what, what, what threat do they possess? Uh, we, I haven't had a chance to uh, totally look at film yet, but I heard that they have some, some pretty good DBs and their uh, defensive line is kind of nice. So we, it might be a challenge, but at the same time, we're going to be prepared for them. And what you do in the summer to adjust so people know that people people know that y'all got more than miles. People like, oh, you got to watch that quarterback and stuff. So how do you adjust to your game so that you have something to counter what these defenses throw at you on Friday nights? I, I really wanted to work on my speed and running ability this summer because once we spread it out, that's just going to leave the, leave the middle wide open for me and the running back to uh, take advantage of. So I just wanted to bring that into a, a, another part into our game. And so, so what have been the results on that so far? Uh, I, I have one rushing touchdown so far. I mean, I'm, I'm going to just keep Doing, doing what I do. If the uh, coaches call a play, call my number, I'm going to take advantage of it. So you, you're going to be shifty like Dak Prescott with, <laughs> with that shifty zone read on them timely third downs? If it, if it comes down to it, yeah, I'm going to do whatever I can to get that first down. And how, how, how does Plato get a, a pretty talented defense help you out as well? Oh, yeah, our defense, it, it really does start with them. They're giving us the ball in good field position every drive. They're, they're bringing the momentum to our side and without that defense. Our offense might not be performing like it did last week. And final question, give some insight to this season and all the support that y'all get in the colony. Because I actually live in the colony, so everywhere I go, I see Cougar Pride this, Cougar Pride that. <laughs> yeah, it's all, over, it's all over the city. All, I mean, there's a bunch of parents that come out that, that love all of us just like they love their own kids. So I, the support system in the city is, is amazing, and I love it. Wouldn't trade it for anything. You got a message for them? Uh, just thank y'all. and. Uh, Keep doing what y'all doing. I love y'all, and uh, y'all are the reason that we are able to play like the way we do. Thanks again to Mikey Harrington for taking the time to chat with Kendrick for our Student Athlete Spotlight. Um, yes, as the Colony moves to, to 2-0 on the season. Um, so guys, let's talk a little bit about the stuff in your respective areas with McKinney and Mesquite, plus the other uh, Rowlett Saxe area. Um, we can start with McKinney North, which is, off to, <laughs> which is off to the most McKinney North way to start a football season, which McKinney North probably on pace to set program records for both points scored and points allowed in the same year, um, as they come That's off of what, uh, what had to be a, a deadline writer's worst nightmare. 68 to 65 victory <laughs> over Justin Northwest. Um, those two never disappoint when it comes to producing a shootout. It's the fourth year in a row. Um, I think I've been the three of the games or two of the games that uh, um, they've scored 44, 44 points or more. Mm -hmm. Minimum, the losers have at least 44. Oh, yeah. I have it written down. This is the third time in four meetings that North and Northwest have combined for more than 100 points in one of their games. So you know going in that it's to bet the over. So and Last year was the year it didn't. It was 44-41. Yeah, I mean, so this this feels like a, a typical McKinney North team, Kendricks. So the two games, what has been your read on what the Bulldogs have shown so far? They're going to score a lot of points. Like, literally, you're going to have to have you want to score 40 points just to compete. Mm -hmm. that, but they knew that. Teams are doing that, though. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be the problem. Yeah, that's the thing. That's uh, not as impressive when you put it that way. But the, the impressive thing about uh, this unit is that they're very balanced. Like, Dylan Markowitz threw for only 365. When you throw for, we scored 68 points, you think, in today's time, as a final yard game. Mm -hmm. Mary Fincher ran for 205, uh, only 15 carries, and they, they, they even used Brandon Frazier. I don't even see him. I see how many catches do you have. I think Big Frazier had. Uh, doesn't have him. Brandon Frazier has three catches. On the season. On the season. Mm -hmm. So okay. you got a four-star commit that you're not even using yet. So that's the impressive thing. Everybody's getting involved. On defense, I can't even <laughs> I can't even say nothing. I'm not trying to be negative. Like I literally saw a kid, I don't know if it was his first time out, against McKinney. The ball's in the air. You know, they face guard. 
the ball goes over his head. He didn't even look. He didn't. Even, he couldn't even find the ball to find the guy to stop him and even get mm-hmm. a tackle. So it's like, I don't know. I know Coach Billy Real is a very good coach. They'll scheme and give their stuff a chance, but all the athletes are definitely on offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you this is not a mirage. They will put up 40 points a game the whole season. Mm-hmm. They've done it six years in a row. But they're, but they're living dangerously. What is that, two wins by five points? It's now, yes. So they've scored 112 points through two weeks, and they've allowed 107. <laughs> so it is a very tight rope. It's a, it's a very high-wire act that, uh, that McKinney North is putting well, on right now. But, but to put some justice to what you say, McKinney North, they, they have a, a history of doing this, the best team in program history gave up 43 points a game mm. and scored 48 points a game. The Ronald Jones led team that they've actually got to see play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of been their their mo over the years. But um, again, it's just it's a dangerous game to play. You know, when you you can't really just roll the dice when you need a defensive stop. You got to you know rely on your defense to get a stop. And you know they've been able to come out these first two weeks and win. But you know as we get deeper in the season, you got to turn to that defense has got to step up. And again, it's, we're just two weeks in. They have plenty of time to, to make adjustments to get Long these other go. guys in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's, like I said, living dangerously right now. And the game is spectacularly. It was 66-65. They blocked the extra point and ran it back. And I finally got 68. So a little defense was played, but it was crazy. I was at the McKinney uh, Boyd in. I fly my Marcus game. I looked at the box score at halftime. It was 45-41 at halftime, and both teams accounted for 987 yards at halftime. I believe it, man. That's, those programs have shown nothing less in their uh, in their I guess their four years playing each other. Um, Devin, we can quickly talk a little bit of Mesquite ISD at least at the uh, at the 5A level. We're kind of on the theme of 7-5A Division One. Um, so, what has been kind of the read right now? I mean, you talk about teams that will definitely test that North. Uh, you know, just see to what extent North can continue to win these shootouts, and Mesquite Poteet will certainly test that offense later on in the season, but as far as Poteet and West Mesquite, what has been the read early on for them? Uh, it's been a tough start, yeah. I mean, for, for both teams. They're both 0-2. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Poteet, uh, it looked like, you know, they started with Denton Ryan, which is just, yeah. it's, it's that, that's tough. You know what you're going to get there. Yeah, and it's just, uh, you know, I thought their offs would get untracked against Waxahachie last week, and it did. Uh, they made a change at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Police started the first game. They went with Stephen Fink, who played a little bit in in week one and uh, you know he had a great first outing threw for 360 yards and five touchdowns can't ask for much more than that in your first game Uh, but you know they're up 39 to 17 at the start of the third quarter you think they're rolling right along you know that's it's their first win of the season and um Waxahachie, to their credit, uh, they came back. They scored 24 unanswered points. Uh, you know, from they shut Poteet out after Poteet scored 46 in the first two and a half quarters. They shut them out for the last quarter and a half. Wow. Um, again, I think Poteet will be fine. They've gotten off some slow starts against tough non-district competition before. Uh, Seth McGowan, who did not play week one, was back. Uh, he rushed for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Had a 60-yard touchdown, uh, touchdown reception. Um Xavion Jeans, uh, the guy that got actually more carries than Seth McGowan, rushed for over 100 yards mm-hmm. and a touchdown. I, I, I think that their offense, you know, they got that passing game going uh, last week. Um, but, you know, the defense is, is just a concern right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, same kind of thing with West Mesquite. They lose 64-20 to 20, uh, to Lancaster. Um, somewhat of a deceptive final score in, in terms of Lancaster scored 36 points that were non-offensive. They had three fumble <laughs> returns for a touchdown, a kickoff return, and a punt return, and a safety. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, it's just, if, anytime you do that, you're not going to win. I don't care who you are. Uh, if you have five scores, non-offensive scores. Um, you know, but I think West Mesquite, you know, again, uh, Kevin Jennings, uh, their sophomore quarterback, had another nice game. Ty Jordan is doing Ty Jordan things. He had a 75-yard punt return, uh, scored two more touchdowns. You know, it's, it's alarming. Anytime you're 0-2, it's alarming. But both teams, uh, both Poteet and West, West Mesquite, have played tough opponents these first two weeks. And um, gotten off to slow starts before, I think – we talked about this district beforehand. It, it, you know, I said Poteet and John Tyler. McKinney North is making a statement. John Tyler is 0-2. They're, they're, really? What happened to them? Uh, they lost to Tyler Lee. I told you. And wow. um, okay. after getting beat by Horn in the yeah. first round, granted, this is two 6-8 programs. And again, we talked about John Tyler's losses yeah, with, the, with, sure. their, with their skill set. But all of a sudden now, 7-5A Division One is looking very wide open with you know three district contenders at 0-2, albeit against very good competition, and then the wild card McKinney North that can beat anybody on any given night, but also lose to anybody on any given night. Hi, Sherman. And so, <laughs> and so you never can tell. So it's, it's, it's shaping up to be a fun district. So, but I'm going to rub my beanie and, and play old, old John Thomas on you. Last night of the season, 
Course, you will be at the Poteet. McKinney North came for the district title. I'll be there myself, but I have to be across town. But that's what that's where you're gonna be at at, at, at Memorial. I think it's at Hamby, and um, they're gonna be going for the district title. I think that's what's how this mm -hmm. is gonna play out this year. They did very well. Let's see. Um, yeah, you mentioned just the non-conventional ways of scoring touchdowns in that uh, Lancaster oh, yeah. Ski game. I know where you're going. Let's talk about the weirdest <laughs> game of the week, maybe of the of the season. We'll see what happens. I mean, this kind of reminded me just as far as games that you're just kind of left scratching your head about the uh, was it the Mesquite Rockwall Heath game last year that was the baseball score the like six to four. Yeah. So six to four. If you have not heard as to what happened last Thursday between Hebron and Arlington Martin, um, this game just defied conventional <laughs> football in every conceivable way. So so halftime, you know, Hebron submitted what, talking with head coach Brian Brazel the following day, he said might have been the best defensive half he's ever seen his football team play. Like, they were that dominant against a Martin team that came in just firing away. They hung 35 on Lake Travis, and, um, I mean, their quarterback just went to work. Um, Hebron held Martin to negative 30 yards of offense in the first half and was down <laughs> 24 to nothing. Hebron trailed by 24 points despite allowing negative yardage in the first half. And yes, you talk about non-offensive touchdowns and that's what it came back on. Uh, you know, Hebron gives up a kickoff return for a touchdown on the opening on the opening kick. Uh, of all the uh, kind of the lapses that they had in that first half, you know, that was the one that Coach Brazel was really like, yeah, we just had some lazy, lazy execution there. Otherwise, other ones, it was just, you know, because they gave up another special teams touchdown later on and then they gave up a, a fumble return for a touchdown right as Hebron was going down in position to score. They got down, I want to say inside the 10 or inside the 5, had a snap go sideways and sail over the quarterback's head, and then Martin scoops it up and takes it to the house, and <laughs> just like that, you had, uh, I mean, because Hebron sounds like at least, you know, the process of what they were doing, at least offensively, was fine. Obviously, the defense was playing about as well as it could conceivably play. It was just, uh, again, we, uh, special teams gets overlooked in football, and just how pivotal execution there can be, and uh, it led to what was just a really, really confounding loss between a <laughs> And Hebron and a matchup between two teams that I think we figured to be, you know, two of the better teams at the six A, uh, huh? at the six A level. But um, yeah, just what a weird result though for I'll Hebron. How's it going to be that locker room defense? We doing all this, yeah. and we still lose. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I don't even know if you're Hebron, what do you even take away from a game like that that was just so atypical and so abnormal? Um, it was like one of the games where if you, if they, if those two teams played a hundred times, you probably get a game like that maybe twice. <laughs> Yeah, once it, or it, twice. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say it's such, once, a, such a low probability contest. But yes, Hebron Arlington Martin making a strong case for just the weirdest football game uh, of the uh, of the season. Um, we can talk a little bit on uh, on Allen. Just a couple quick notes there. You know, I, I mean, I mentioned a lot on the Rapid Reaction podcast about their uh, about their start. But um, it is just notable though that they uh, they did schedule probably at least in my time covering the program the toughest two game stretch to begin a season that they have in um, in quite some time. You know, starting off the year against Cedar Hill and then against Dickinson both teams ranked in the state's top 15 this is usually the the, the part in the year where they uh, when they play the out-of-state team team from um, from Utah or Alabama or wherever that they end up beating by you know by five touchdowns and whatnot um, they do get a, a a very very game effort by uh, by Dickinson you know everyone in that stadium I'm sure was seeing Dickinson for the very first time and they definitely were um you know were, were a worthy opponent they uh, they did run into some issues though with penalties and um and they just had a, as the game went along just a tougher time moving the ball but um, Allen is passed its first two tests of the season, you know, with uh, you know two double-digit victories over two very, very quality teams. It definitely, to a, in a way, kind of relaxing some concerns that the uh, I know the fan base was a little bit on a <laughs> on a, on high alert there after that uh, with as as tough a uh, start to the season as Allen had on paper, coupled with just the uh, the wealth of kids lost from last year. But it's Allen, and guess what? They've reloaded, and they're still going to be pretty freaking good at football. Um, the defense, especially the line, was the biggest takeaway from that win over Dickinson, and just you know. When they lost, you know, four really quality starters from last season, guys that are off playing in college. Um, but it's a unit that has traditionally been very, very well done, done very, very well, just because of how frequently they rotate. And you have guys that were backups that still saw a ton of meaningful reps last season. And a lot of those guys are the ones that are now shining. The guys like Cole Latos, Michael Owen Zurich, um, and then you have a guy like Elijah Fisher, who was an All District tight end last season. He was moved to defensive end for this year, and he's. Like through two weeks, he's got a case as maybe being the best pass rusher that we'll see in District 96A. I mean, he is, you see some of the highlights, and he is just laying waste to opposing offensive lines. And I mean, he was all, he was a, he's a senior. 
He was all over the place on Friday, and he has had such a remarkable start to the year, despite, again, playing a brand new position. So it's, yeah, Allen does this, though, with, like, players like Cedric Oboehy, one of their stud alignment from way back, Greg Little, Bobby Evans, players that, you know, I, I believe it was Oboehy who began his career on the defensive line, then moved to the O-line and became one of the best tackles in the state. And then guys like Greg Little and Bobby Evans were tight ends before playing varsity, and then they become, you know, their NFL offensive linemen. So Allen has a knack for kind of knowing how to move the other puzzle pieces around and still not miss a beat. But well, um, and, I, and I say this every week. Wow, a, a, a school with 6,800 kids has depth. <laughs> I know. Go figure, It's right? amazing, right? Bobby Evans has some jeans. His dad's in the um, McKinney Hall of Honor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bobby Lee, yeah. Evans, oh, yeah. He had some jeans. I think he was Oklahoma. He did, absolutely. Stand-up basketball player up at OU. Um, yeah, so yes, Allen off to a typical Allen start. So that's, again, like despite all the, oh, what are they going to do and how are they going to replace this and that? And they're they're just fine. <laughs> yeah. Again, who knows what it means once you get into, into November and December and whatnot, but at least early in the year, it looks like just another typical Allen team. Um, let's see. Let's talk about... Um, Mesquite, some of the 6A Mesquite stuff um, with, you know, you saw Horn against Highland Park. You know, Mesquite's got a, uh, you know, has had a, had a nice start under uh, under Coach Fleener. So what is um what have been some takeaways, at least at the 6A level on Mesquite ISD, Devin? You know, I, I, I like I say, I, I was at Horn and Highland Park, and Highland Park these last few years have been a lot like Allen. Yes. It's just they're so well coached. They're, that system is so well in place. They just don't make mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, Horn, I, I think, you know, they, they showed what they're made of when they, in beating John Tyler on the road in the season opener. And, you know, the final in this game was 52-25. to 25. It wasn't a blowout. Horn was right there. Uh, you know, Davizea Gabriel, their quarterback. Um, you know, they, they the Kelsey Emery, Cameron Jackson, Ben Wyatt, they've got really, really good receivers. Charles Crawford, the transfer running back. Mm -hmm. They've got weapons on offense. Absolutely. They was a little bit off, uh, but that's that's a credit to Highland Park. You know, they just get enough pressure to, to rush a throw. And again, Highland Park just doesn't make mistakes. And when the other team makes mistakes, they capitalize on it. And it's just, it's I can imagine it's frustrating to watch as a fan, but as you know, just watching it from a, a, an outside point of view, it's impressive just to see because you, you can almost see it coming. Like mm -hmm. as soon as Horn makes one, one, you know, they don't come out on third and one, you go, okay, they're going to punt, and Highland Park's going to drive right out of the field and score and make it a mm -hmm. two touchdown game again, and that's what Highland Park does. But Horn is going to be, uh, I mean, they're going to get that offense going. They're gonna, they're a scary offense. They're going to be able to score on anybody. Uh, you know, Mesquite got his offense going uh, last week. You know, they didn't. The offense didn't do much. In the, in the season up against like Highlands, but they took care of, against you know Grand Prairie is not the, the most stout competition, but you know Ladarius Turner got things going on the ground, rushed for over 100 yards and and three touchdowns, and you know uh, I think with Dylan uh, Hilliard McGill in that passing game, uh, they haven't been called upon to do much so mm -hmm. far, but. Um, you know, they're, they're both going to be playoff contenders for sure. It's just so hard in that district saying they're going to be district title contenders no. because are you ready to put them above the defending state champions in Longview or the offensive juggernaut that is Rockwall? Oh, my God. It, it's, the way that team has just seamlessly reloaded the quarterback is insane. Yeah, yeah with a sophomore. Yes. Play. And so I, I think right now you would have to put Horn and Mesquite as the front runners. I mean, not to say that they can't challenge or even knock off a Longview or yeah, Rockwall, yeah, no but doubt. it would take the perfect game at this point in time based on – I think Horn has a little bit more firepower to be able to score with those teams. I think Mesquite has by far the better defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've allowed 13 points in two weeks. Um, you know, so, but then, you know, you look at Tyler Lee, uh, knocking off John Tyler, they're off to a 2-0 start. Yeah. Uh, they had, I think they had 15 returning starters back. Uh, North Mesquite picked up their first win over Lakeview, uh, a Lakeview team that, you know, might contend for the 10-6-8. That was a whole different conversation as far as the strength, <laughs> as far as the strength of 10-6-8 goes. Yeah. But, um, you know, I but, uh, yeah. but um, you know, I mean, I mean, a very solid win last week mm -hmm. um, by North Mesquite. And a Rockwall Heat team that's with a new coach has got you know got, got a big win over Wiley. So that that district is shaping up to be to be more interesting than we thought in terms of the you still have the top tier yeah. with the two state, legitimate state title contenders. But um, you know at this point in time, I think Horn and Mesquite position themselves to be the two favorites to get those next two playoff spots. But um, you know those other three teams are going to have a say in the matter too. Fight on their hands for yeah. sure. We're going to close this out, Kendra, with a trivia question. Who is, in terms of just yardage and points per game, who is the number one offense in District 96A right now? Uh, 
You said points? Points and yards per game. I'm asking you this for a reason. It should be easy. Uh, There's really two answers. <laughs> I'm talking about McKinney, yes. The McKinney Lions, who, uh, you know, and again, it's all relative to your competition, but nevertheless, McKinney, though, has, uh, for an offense that we had our share of questions, like, what are they going to do at running back without Cordrick Dunn, and who's playing quarterback for them? The answer to that question, Dave, is Lamaria Ransom. He kind of has like a battering ram style, but he he's a guy that doesn't even know how good he is. I'm talking to him after the game. He says, you think I play pretty good? I'm like, you ball, you get the call. I don't talk to you unless you ball. He's like, he's like shaking his head. The kid, what makes his stats impressive is he ran for 144 last week, a bucks in two tubs, a buck 75 and another touchdown this week. Out of those yards, 210 have come in the second half of games and all three touchdowns. So that means he's wearing people out, even though he's not big and built. It's kind of like the Marion Barber style. Mm -hmm. People get tired of tackling him and taking full advantage. And uh, another key that's going to be a key um, for McKinney District is Samson uh, Nazarko, the sophomore quarterback. He doesn't have the strongest arm, doesn't have the best arm, but he gets it there. He's pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a problem come district. And the more uh, the more they get more um, repetitions and stuff, they got the Isaiahs. They have Isaiah Rojas and Isaiah Wallace. Mm -hmm. Both spelled the same way, just different last names. They're going to be a problem too. Rojas had four catches, 105 yards, and three touchdowns. He's a very good route runner. He's the one I was telling you about with the North that made the guy need even know what to do. That's how good his route yeah. was. Guy couldn't even find him. So it's going to be interesting to see how they keep this up. But their defense was lights out. Okay. By minus a couple penalties here and there. Coach Shavers is very upset with the turnovers. They had a, a stretch where they had a, a fumble and an interception on back-to-back -back plays. He's a perfectionist, but he definitely got to like what he's seeing because this time last year, they were still was here. This time, this year is right here. So that PhD theory of them not making the playoffs, it's looking mighty <laughs> Each week, well, and then other their crosstown rival was bored. They took it on the a chin, but the thing about them wasn't that they lost. It was how the game played out. They were down 17-0, had 26 total yards of offense at halftime. I've been covering this program for three years. They're nine and 21 in that span, and they've known for. I won't say laying down, but they don't fight hard. That was completely different on Friday. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Coach McBride and them did at halftime. They had their opportunities. Witchcraft. Got... <laughs> 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 Carter Whitefield, the young quarterback, made two big turnovers. But it's one of those things like you rather make that turnover against Slamar Marcus than make that turnover against Prosper yeah. or Plano and it costs you a playoff spot. So in the big picture, the McKinney teams are looking good. And it might be making a little McKinney history with all three going to the playoffs from what I've seen so far. We'll see what it means in the couple weeks because again like 469 yards of offense 45 points per game but they played McKinney North who you know, we just <laughs> talked about them and just their defense plus Irving MacArthur which to be fair though that was a loss last year against Irving MacArthur that was a very surprising loss I'll say at that and that was kind of a I guess harbinger of okay they're still going through some growing pains but just in a year's time to have now turned what was a surprising loss into a blowout win shows that they're probably they can probably afford to schedule up a bit you know in the uh, I guess in the in the years to come but nevertheless yes it's been an encouraging start for that offense we'll see uh, they get Richardson Pierce this week, I believe. And then the following week, they open up district against Prosper. That should be a fun game, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that is a uh, that is a look at just kind of what's uh, what's been shaking through two weeks in our uh, in our coverage area. We will be back on uh, on Thursday to discuss our uh, our reader voted game of the week. Y'all can go on our website starlocalmedia.com and vote for the five nominees that we have up for game of the week this week. We'll preview that game and some others on Thursday. Um, Kendrick, Devin, Taylor, and Brian back there. Everyone, appreciate y'all for tagging along, folks. You enjoy your week, and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.